Hey guys, Veronica, Andrew, and Nate here. We are Foodies Watching Movies, a podcast dedicated to awesome movies, great food, and that's about it. Check us out on the JIC Network at www.journeyintocomics.com. Maybe throw some money over to our Patreon so we can eat this week. And now your feature presentation. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode twenty-eight of Poor Three Sixty. Covering all things, topics of personal importance. Topics that hopefully you find important, too. This has been kind of a weird week for me because I've recorded three poor 360s within a few days of each other. Just because I'm kind of in the process of getting ready to leave for my honeymoon where I'll be gone two weeks uh, overseas without any access to internet. Or, well, minimal access to internet and won't definitely won't be able to podcast while I'm over there. So... I'm trying to get all this done, and I wanted to just make sure we sought content out to you. So, trying to find topics, and obviously the last episode I recorded, um, that was kind of more current, was for the 4th of July, and then the one before, the one after that, that you heard last week was on, like, reboots, remakes, all of that. And this one is kind of something that um, Nate put in my head um, when we were talking last week or the week before. Been a few weeks ago is the time you're listening to this. Um... About talking about hate groups and kind of like showcasing them, and that's something that I would like to do, but I kind of need to definitely do some more reach. That's not something I should really bring out kind of in this more while I'm trying to get uh, content out to you guys. And I think once I have some more breathing room and can actually put some reason to that and actually get a list compiled, but I kind of wanted to maybe give a little bit of get start kind of touching on um, hate and what's going on, and I know. I'm not going to get into like the, really into the hate groups too much. It's going to kind of stay more in the the social media sphere. And I got uh, like two articles I kind of want to discuss, but I know we live in an age of social media where people can share whatever they want, and a lot of people don't even write their own things. They just share something. They can share a meme. They can share an article. They can share pictures. They can share whatever they want. And sometimes they share things that will be considered hate, hate speech, hate content. Things just to stir the pot, which is something I get told I tend to do sometimes. And just things that usually rile other people up, and then when someone gets upset, it starts a whole conversation, and this comment thread, which sometimes I'll fall into without just reading through it. Because some people are looking to find something to be upset about, and some people are looking just to stir the pot, to make other people upset. It's actually gotten to the point where there are certain people that I'm friends with them, but I've had to unfollow them because literally someone would just share... 20 of the same types of things. I don't need that kind of negativity as I'm strolling through my feed on Facebook or Twitter. It's just, it gets a little ridiculous. And I feel like in the age, in the recent memory, basically since like the 2016 election, or really as the 2016 election was kind of picking up, we were dealing with all of this. And I feel like it's only escalated since then. We've seen a lot of people feel justified in acting a certain way, talking a certain way, doing things a certain way. And it's kind of kind of not cool. It's just... And some people just aren't even original with it. They're just... I've, I've even seen people go as far as to, like, 
sharing something and be like, don't comment if you disagree. This is my post. I can do whatever. Like, okay. But putting it out there, I can comment. You have the ability to post whatever you want. Also gives me the ability to comment on that post. Content is out there. And I, you're opening a door by putting it out there. Yes. It's your eyes as an American as under like the first amendment, you can kind of say whatever you want, but same rules apply to me. I can say whatever I want right back. And that's usually what causes people to get upset and being able to do all this from your phone, laying in bed or sitting on the toilet or lounging around, you can put everything you want out there, but you can accept the same stuff back at you. And we, we feel like we're so thin-skinned as a nation that we can see all of this stuff and can get off of us. And then, like, when we react, we're like, oh, you're a snowflake. Or, oh, you're this and that or the other thing. People like to put something that puts them against others. And I, I feel for the next generation, the kids that are growing up in this. Because usually when you wanted to, when you were little and you wanted to, you were mean to another kid, you were mean to that other kid face-to-face. Now you can be mean to that kid over the internet. That's how cyberbullying became such a big problem in kind of the generation after me. A little bit the kids that were in like middle school when instant messaging was a thing as opposed to like me being like in high school when instant messaging really became popular. So people are, we're seeing these walls go up between people. So you can be, you're not getting the immediate reaction back. You're not seeing how much you're hurting someone or how much you're upsetting someone because you're screen to screen with that person. And some people, yeah, they can talk in all caps, all that, but you're not getting, you're not getting context, or context, not context. You're not getting context of what's going on. You're just getting reaction. Everyone can misread something that's typed. That's why people get arguments over texting as opposed to being on the phone because you don't know if someone's being sarcastic. You don't know if someone's doing something that could be unnecessarily upsetting. And I think in social media in general, we're seeing... There's an uptick in all of this, people spreading hate messages and negativity, and it's kind of ridiculous. Like like I said, I, I was getting to a point where I had to, I put up with it to a point, but these people I just had to unfollow because I don't need their behavior in my life. I don't need to expose myself to it just because we're friends. It's the same reason like you can put up with casual racism from friends and family because it doesn't directly affect you but I feel like if you had to be exposed to it all the time then you'd be like okay this is this is a bit much but when you see it just shared on social media like Facebook and Twitter you're like okay you need to stop I can't be around you and I know just by unfollowing them or muting them or whatever isn't getting to the root of the problem but it's it's some ways you have to deal with it if you want to respect their feelings and you don't want to cause any strife, you just have to mute them or do go about that to move forward and kind of maintain your relationship with that person. I mean, some people choose to cut that people out of their lives who act like that, and that's their own reasoning behind it. That's something that is on a personal or your own thing. I'm not going to push my views, my opinions on that on you. That's all, all you. That's all that you have to... And that's kind of the whole point of all this, is that everyone has their own beliefs, their own opinions, their own viewpoints on any million number of topics. And 
no one's going to align 100% with another person. Politically, religiously, personality-wise, music taste, movie taste. Like, you could show a room full of people the same article, the same TV show, the same movie, the same... Let's have them listen to the same song. And every single one of those people are going to have a different reaction. You might have some that are very similar, and you might have some that are even exactly the same, but no one's going to have identical viewpoints down to a T of a certain thing. It's why people do these like focus groups, or they do um, screen tests, or they do um, like test screens, just to because everyone's going to see a different thing. And if you're only surrounding yourself by people who have the same or similar viewpoints as you, you're not opening your world up to new ideas, new feedback, all of that. Like this podcast that I do, I don't get much of any feedback on it from people that I don't or aren't involved in the network or aren't like in my friends and family group or whatever. I don't get people on the outside and like, oh that's a really good show. So I don't I don't get maybe honest feedback and I I ask for it. But people are nice and the show could be garbage and there'll always be someone who'll be like, it it was good and they'll give you some room for improve on. But if my audience was only people that didn't know me personally, didn't I didn't work with or didn't wasn't didn't have a personal connection to, then you can see things differently. They can give you some feedback that might help you grow as a creator and as someone who's putting out content. It's like being in a band, but your band only plays at your I don't know, your your local bar or your family gatherings or your only plays that like places that your friend group typically hangs out. You're not getting good honest feedback. You're not getting an audience that helps you grow. And I think that's kind of the the side of it. You need to open yourselves up to their viewpoints and just surrounding yourself with it can really just lead to hate and kind of the negativity that we see is that when you try and open yourself up, sometimes you can get either positive or negative feedback. Like I could be told, for example, that your whole life growing up, that like you have a beautiful singing voice, and then you go on, let's say, just to be super dated, go on American Idol, for example, and get very honest feedback and be crushed. And that's kind of how it is sometimes when someone posts something on social media. It can be hit with negativity. It can be hit with der- uh, derision. It can be hit with people just wanting to tear that down. Like, I remember seeing, um, this was, uh, within, like, the last couple days, I remember seeing someone had a MAGA-themed wedding. MAGA meaning Make America Great. It was very Trump-themed, very, all the, like, the groomsmen wore the red Make America Great in hats, the, uh, the groom himself was uh, in the Marines. We had his Marine uniform on, obviously. Um, his wife, or his wife now, his bride-to-be, was wearing uh, a MAGA flag that was, uh, I guess it was like a, a guy who or a girl who turned like those kind of flags and other things into dresses, and that's what she had. So it kind of said, Make America Great Again, like vertically down her, uh, down her person. 
And I saw that article met with negativity. I saw people praising it. I saw a lot of mixed reactions to it. And yes, people can dislike the person that represents. I know there are a lot of people that are very against Trump. I know people that are very pro-Trump. And I know people that are very indifferent about the whole thing. And they're very indifferent about what happened about this person. Obviously, people have weird things, weird color choices, all that with their wedding. But it's their wedding. And the fact that, yes, it did kind of go viral. I don't know if it was their fault or if it just someone saw it on Facebook and then shared it. And then it kind of caught a little bit of traction, started trending a little bit. And then some news groups caught it. And then it kind of exploded out from there. Because I don't remember where the wedding was. I don't know. I just know from the pictures I saw. And... It looks like a news media outlet eventually reached out to them, and they that's where the article came from, and talked about how they were not going to be uh, shy about their political beliefs, that they don't care that um, they have no issue with people having different beliefs. That's just something they wanted to do and wanted to... Uh, her and her husband, that's just how they felt. Um, her maid of honor was uh, a Democrat, very against Trump, but they worked out because that's how you should be. You shouldn't choose pick and choose your friends based on their political beliefs having differing beliefs helps you grow because like i said if you're trying to talk about the same group of people you're not getting honest feedback you're not letting people not seeing things in a different light so at least there was that it wasn't like that where they're just really closed off and it could have been just like people who love trump and hate everyone who's against trump but i don't know that was just uh something i saw i kind of wanted to share that but Speaking of hate and speaking of uh, social media, um, here's uh, something that Trump was saying uh, just today, just uh, this evening, or this morning, I don't know, when he was um, at a press conference today at the White House, um, and he applauded far-right social media provoc- uh, provocateurs, even as you can see that some of them are extreme in their views, which, those I friend that he was... Um, kind of didn't agree with some of their extreme views. said, Trump, who has weaponized social media to eviscerate opponents and promote himself, led a social media summit of like-minded critics of big tech, excluding representatives from very platforms he exploits. The president used the event to agree with his over treatment by big tech, but also to praise some of the most caustic voices on the right who helped energize Trump's political base. Some of you guys are out there, he told them. I mean, it's genius, but it's bad. Trump's good out for praise, James O'Keefe, the right-wing activist whose Project Veritas organizations once tried to plant a false story in the Washington Post. May 2010, O'Keefe and three others plead guilty in federal court to a misdemeanor in a scheme in which they posted a telephone repairman or they posed his telephone repairman in Senator Mary Landro's New Orleans district office. He's not controversial, he's truthful, Trump insisted of O'Keefe. Playing to the friendly crowd in the East Room, Trump was at ease, joking about everything from his spelling and tweets blaming his thumbs on his brains for any mistakes, to his hair, saying the rainy weather at his July 4th outdoor speech at least proved his hair was real. Good point. Uh, With amazing creativity, the determination you are... Let's see. With amazing creativity and determination, you are bypassing the corrupt establishment, and it is corrupt, Trump said. And you're bypassing the very, very corrupt media. In lengthy remarks, he said, you're challenging the media gatekeepers and corporate censors to bring the truth to the American people. You communicate directly with our citizens without going through the fake news filter. Earlier Thursday, Trump sent a stream of tweets 
measures lashing on social media companies and the press familiar targets that resonate with its conservative base. The meeting represented an escalation of Trump's battle with companies like Facebook, Google, and even his preferred communications outlet, Twitter, where he has an estimated 61 million followers. The president has claimed without evidence that the companies are against me, and even suggested U.S. regulators should sue them on the grounds of anti-conservative bias. That seems a little extreme. Um, he announced Thursday that he is directing his administration to explore all regulatory and legislative solutions to protect free speech and free speech rights of all Americans. Which I think, at the same time, he says promoting free speech, but should support them on the grounds of an anti-conservative bias. I think those are conflicting viewpoints. I think free speech means that people can have, can be anti-conservative or pro-liberal or whatever, or pro-conservative and anti-liberal. Like it's ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure if they were the opposite, if they were anti-liberal bias, he would love that. I think as long as he's seen in the positive light, I don't think he would care one iota about it. And Trump said he's inviting executives from major social media platforms to join him at the White House over the next month or so. The firm's already under close scrutiny than ever by regulators and in Congress following a stream of scandals including Facebook's lapses, opening the personal data of millions of users to Trump's 2016 campaign, a bipartisan push for new data privacy legislation has emerged in Congress, regulators the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission are pursuing antitrust investigations of Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon, Trump unleashed, unleashed, probably meant to say unleashed, Trump unleashed a volley of Twitter messages Thursday leading up to the conference. The targets were familiar. Certain companies, the press, and his Democratic rivals. The president predicted without foundation the demise of the press and the social media platform if he loses to a Democrat in 2020. The demise of the press and the social media platforms. That seems a little extreme. After the conference, Trump published a series of tweets slamming Bitcoin and other types of digital currency, including Facebook's recently announced Libra. Never heard of it. I don't quite understand digital currency, and I'll never get involved with that. Among other conservative organizations participating in the White House meetings were Turning Point USA, a nonprofit, PragerU, short for Prager University, which puts out short videos with a conservative perspective on politics and economics, the Media Search Research Center, and the Heritage Foundation, a Washington think tank. Accusations commonly leveled by conservatives against the social media platform and called anti-religious bias. Um, okay. Um, conservative, yeah, all right. A tilt against abortion foes and censorship of conservative political views. Trump has made it a priority to reach out to voters who oppose abortion. The anti-abortion group's live action at Susan B. Anthony List says Twitter has blocked their advertising. Twitter policy prohibits paid ads without content that is inflammatory or provocative and is likely to evoke a strong negative reaction, which makes sense. Lila Rose, president of Live Action, said at the event that her group has been banned from advertising on Twitter while Planned Parenthood is allowed to do so. I do agree. I think Planned Parenthood shouldn't be allowed to advertise. I think if you're having, looking at two sides of the same coin, you kind of got to be consistent. Pinterest also suspended the group from its platform. The double standard and bias is growing problem at Big Tech, Rose said. While some Silicon Valley company executives may lean liberal, they have asserted that their products are without political bias. Okay. Um, representatives for Facebook, Google, and Twitter have declined to comment specifically on the White House meeting. The Internet Association, the industry's major trade group representing Facebook, Google, and dozens of other companies, said online platforms are the best tool for promoting voices from all political perspectives in history. Very true. 
Internet companies are not biased against any political ideology, and conservative voices in particular have used social media to great effect. The group's president, Michael Beckerman, said in a statement Thursday. Facebook has banned extremist figures such as Alex Jones of InfoWars and Louis Frocken of the Nation of Islam. Twitter's banned hate speech on the basis of someone's race, gender, and other categories. Twitter broadened its policy this week to include banning language that dehumanizes others based on religion. The company said it also may ban similar language aimed at other groups, such as those defined by gender, race, and sexual orientation. I've never seen evidence of tech firm bias against conservatives, said Rep. David Ciceline, a Democrat from Rhode Island, who's been sharply critical of the big companies because of their market dominance and their effect on competition. He also leads a House Judiciary Subcommittee that has opened a bipartisan probe into the tech giant's market conduct. If someone wants to show me some empirical data instead of some alt-right member's paranoid claims, I'd appreciate it. I think we all would. Um, Trump's tweet from today said, uh, A big subject today at the White House Social Media Summit will be the tremendous dishonesty, bias, discrimination, and suppression practiced by certain companies. We'll not let them get away with it much longer. The fake news media will also be there, but for a limited period. Okay, so... They kind of get us to a little bit of the hate and all of that in the social media. And I actually had found an article which is a little dated. It's called Hate on Social Media. Look at hate groups and their Twitter presence. The way we communicate is evolving. As we enter an increasingly more digital world, communication through social media has become more important than ever. From Miley's revolution, social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter can do more today than most than be a host of to memes and fake news. However, not all politically motivated agendas online seek to do good. Hate groups and hate speech are changing too, and their presence online is growing. Some of these prominent accounts and agendas ranging from white supremacy to anti-immigrant to anti-LGBT not only grew online in 2016, but they also amassed more likes in 2016 than any year since 2008. We say those Twitter accounts understand not just how hateful sentiment has evolved over the years, but also in which states these comments originate, which hate groups have the most followers, and which segments of the American population are most likely to be targeted. So obviously this is from, I don't know if there's a date on this. This is a couple years old, but it's still, I think, worthwhile information. So while almost 900 identified hate groups currently operate in the U.S., we found a higher concentration of those factions in Arkansas than in any other state. With more than seven hate groups for every one million residents in the state, Arkansas currently has a higher percentage of active hate groups being targeted, or of active hate groups targeted toward agendas like racist skinheads and white supremacy causes than any other state. Arkansas is also one of five states, along with South Carolina, Georgia, Wyoming, and Indiana, that currently have no state-instituted hate crime laws to protect victims from crimes such as assault and vandalism stemming from their race, gender, or sexual orientation. Obviously, this is a few years old, so I don't know if actually that has changed. Other southern states like Mississippi and Tennessee, uh, more than six hate groups for every one million residents each, followed Arkansas. Northern states like Montana and South Dakota also ranked as areas with a high density of hate groups. The most hateful states. Not the hateful eight, the hateful states. So, the number of hate groups for one million residents. So, I'm not going to go through the numbers, but they actually have all 50 states. It actually lists, um, I'll do the top 10. So, we have Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, South Dakota, Montana, Delaware, Idaho, Vermont, Alabama, and New Hampshire. The answer is kind of surprising. And then the bottom 10, we have, I'm going to go top, uh, bottom to top. So we have Hawaii with 0, Alaska with 0, Connecticut with 0. 0.5, Utah with 1, 
Minnesota with one, Washington with a little over one point, like one and an eighth. Nevada, and you have New Mexico, Massachusetts, and Maine. So, a lot of northern states, and then Alaska and Hawaii have none, which is nice. Kind of surprised about Connecticut, but it's what it is. On a state level, Arkansas is the highest concentration of hate groups, numbering more than seven hate groups per one million residents. The state is host to multiple Nazi and Aryan groups, along with several Ku Klux Klan organizations and other white supremacist groups. Aligning with this high percentage of hate groups, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Montana had between five and six hate groups each per one million residents. Combined, they host neo-Nazi, black separatist, and racist skinhead groups, among others. Now, the most popular hate groups... So these are the hate groups with the largest number of Twitter followers. We have Federation for American Immigration Reform, which sounds really sweet. Not really sweet. It sounds very tame, but it's an anti-immigrant one. We have the Bill Keller Ministries, which is a... It says miscellaneous. I don't know what that actually means. We have ACT, or ACT for America, which is anti-Muslim. We have Jihad Watch which is kind of more in your face, which also anti-Muslim. We have Tea Party Nation, which kind of falls in the miscellaneous category. We have Sons of Liberty Media, which is anti-LGBT. Kind of surprised, the Sons of Liberty Media. The Family Research Council, which also sounds kind of tame, anti-LGBT. Center for Security Policy, anti-Muslim. VDARE, or V-D-A-R-E, which is white supremacist. The Institute for Historical Review is miscellaneous. Americans for Legal Immigration, obviously is anti-immigrant. The Nation of Islam is a black separatist group, which is kind of odd. Bare Naked Islam is anti-Muslim. American Renaissance is white supremacist. Most Holy Family Monastery is anti-LGBT, which is odd. I feel like those don't go together. Christian Action Network is anti-Muslim. Westboro Baptist Church is anti-LGBT, among others. Uh, Political Islam is anti-Muslim. The American Nazi Party is anti-Semitic. American Family Association is anti-LGBT. Bosch Faustin is anti-Muslim. Stop the the Islamization of the world. Honestly, anti-Muslim. Countercurrents Publishing, which sounds like the weirdest publishing house, is white supremacist. Knights of the Clueless Clan, obviously a white supremacist. Liberty Council is anti-LGBT. Faith Freedom is anti-Muslim. Traditionalist Worker Party is white supremacist. New Black Panther Party is black separatist. And Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is anti-LGBT. Americans for Truth About... That's just weird. Simply existing on Twitter doesn't give credence to hate groups' messages, but amassing followers heightens visibility to their hateful agendas. When we looked at hate groups that have accumulated 5,000 or more followers, we found the Federation for American Immigration Reform had a large number of unique followers on our list. With over 72,000 different Twitter accounts following them, uh, FAIR identifies as a D.C.-based organization focused on influencing legislation to limit the number of immigrants entering the U.S. in their Twitter bio. Then with the hashtag no amnesty as a way of solidifying their credo. The Twitter accounts for the Bill Keller Ministries had more than 65,000 followers, and anti-Muslim group Act for America, and Jihad Watch had over 55,000. According to the FBI, hate groups against American Muslims have surged in recent years following high-profile domestic international terror attacks. 
Based on the reports being released in November 2016, there were over 5,800 total hate crimes in 2015, roughly 6% increase over 2014. The violent attacks over against Muslims in 2015 reached their highest point since 2001. Other popular hate groups with 5,000 or more uh, Twitter followers boasted anti-LGBT, black separatists, and white supremacist agendas. So the most popular hate groups. The average number of Twitter followers per hate group type, so 17,000 for anti-immigrant, 14,000 for anti-Muslim, miscellaneous was 7,500, anti-LGBT was 7,000, black separatists were 5,500, white supremacists were 3,000, anti-Semitics were 1,500. Okay. Hate groups with the largest number of followers on Twitter on average had an anti-immigrant agenda. It's one of the most passionately contested issues of the 2016 election and one of President Donald Trump's most repetitious campaign topics. The conversation on immigration and the attitude towards immigrants may already be residing here in the U.S. has reached a tipping point. Obviously. Anti-Muslim Twitter groups on average accumulated almost 15,000 followers while all anti-LGBT accounts averaged over 7,000 and black separatists almost six. So, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just feeling a little, feeling a little weird. Uh, how much hate is on Twitter? The average of tweets per hate group type. So, anti-Muslim far has the most of twenty-five thousand, almost twenty-six thousand tweets per hate group type. Um, that's the average number of tweets. Uh, Anti-immigrant was uh, about. Uh, 13,000, so about half. Um, Anti-LGBT was a little over 10,000, and then it kind of goes down from there. Um, despite more users following anti-immigrant groups on Twitter, anti-Muslim groups had the highest average number of tweets into their accounts, like I said. Uh, uh, levels of negativity. So the average negativity values issue with each hate groups. Anti-immigrant and black separatists were high while anti-LGBT and white supremacists were less. They were still very negative, but they were less by comparison. Despite facilitating hateful agendas, some of the groups looked at had more negativity associated with them than others. Groups with an anti-immigrant focus had some of the most negative tweets associated with their accounts on a scale of 0 to 1, with 0 being the most polarizing negative comments. And um, immigrant groups had an average score of almost 0.03. Most average groups and anti-Muslim groups had only slightly less negative tweets. Averaging roughly a .04 on our scale. Now, there's a lot of negative info here. I really don't feel like really digging into it. More uh, hate groups tweets rise as infamous groups join Twitter. So, in 2015, the average number of likes per post by a hate group was 2.46. Um, is that a multiple of something? to 7.68. I don't know if that's a multiple. Because, yeah, 7 likes per post isn't that many. So, like, something that I would post would get 7 likes. Um, and the likes on Twitter have increased, obviously. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, that's really uh, all I have on this. I think I'm going to dive into more about uh, hate groups and what um, in the future and just kind of get more information on that. But I think that I do it for this week. So this is involving hate on social media and 
That'll do it for episode 28 of Poor360. I am Andrew Poor. You guys have a great week. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitch Radio, Spotify, and many others.